Please listen carefully. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the second episode of the Study Space podcast created by the UniPlan team. My name is David. And my name is Julian. And we'll be your host for today. Today, we'll be asking a question that can be pretty important to any college student. How important is your college major to your future? But before we start, I have to ask, Julian, what's inspiring you today? Well, David, what's inspiring me today is my former university professor. Her name is Dr. Potika at San Jose State University. She is an assistant professor of computer science. Um, And I did research with her. I think I mentioned that in the previous episode, but I did research with her um, during my last year at the university. And uh, we're currently working on publishing a research paper that we'd worked on together during that period. So that's what's inspiring me today. Sounds pretty cool. Um, My my inspiration today actually also relates to college. Um, I managed to get off the wait list for Calculus 3. So now... Instead of taking linear algebra, which I think I would have failed, um, I get to take calculus three in my first semester, which should ease up some um, academic pressure that I have going into college. Yeah, well, linear algebra is really a lot of just matrices and systems of equations. Yeah. But but yeah, a lot of college students actually do think it's it's a pretty tough class. Yeah, it is difficult. Lots of proofs and everything. All right. Well, let's start the podcast now. So before we answer the question of how important your college major is to your future, I want to bring up an interesting statistic about actually changing college majors. So it's shown that 80% of college major, um, college students, excuse me, um, change their majors at least once in their lifetime. Um, However, college students change their major on average three times. That's pretty interesting. Three times throughout their entire college career. Yeah, so Julian, what, what do you what, what do you, what do you think about that? I think that is an insane statistic. Um, I mean, so so that's not to say that I disagree with your choice if you decide to change your major. It's just a little astounding to me. I never knew that the number was so high. I mean, I knew that students changed their major. I just didn't know it was so frequent. So I had no idea of that of that statistic at all. That's the first time I'm hearing about it. Yeah, I heard it actually uh, first from. Um, one of the college counselors that came into my school to speak. Um, and the number has been thrown around throughout like several videos I've watched. And I actually looked at the study and it's true. Um, so the three times is, is quite a lot. And I think it reflects, um, it definitely reflects something about college because um, I think students are going in either not knowing what they want to do and just choosing a random major or they're going in um, and they they chose something that they think they would like, but they end up not really liking it at all. And this happens you know, more than once. They don't even learn from the first time they do it, it seems like. Yeah, well, I like to think that if I would rather find out that I don't like something and then cut my losses and then pick again rather than um, stick to something just because I'm scared that people will think that I'm giving up or that I'm wasting my time. I think I would just rather cut my losses and switch, honestly, rather than get stuck into something I don't like doing. Yeah, definitely. I, I definitely agree with that because I think um, people should you know, find their passions and do what they truly like. Because if you graduate from college with a degree that um, you don't even <laughs> enjoy, then I think there's no point in going to college. But 
you do have to account for the fact that every time you change your college major, um, not all your credits that you've already done will actually transfer over. So that means that usually you'll have to extend your stay at college by maybe one, maybe two years, and that adds on to your tuition. Um, it takes away a lot of your time that you could be using, you know, pursuing your career. Yeah. Um, on that subject, that's true. You are sacrificing a bit of time, but I think um, I think it. I think it's sort of. I would like to think that it pays off in the end. Obviously, I wouldn't know because I never really changed my major. I was lucky enough to know what I wanted to do going into university, so I never really had the experience of switching my major. But I, I would think personally that if I were in the position that say, for example, I just didn't like computer science, I found that I didn't like computer science. I think I would much rather change to something else because um, I think especially in the hard sciences, you, you really don't want to stick to the hard sciences um, just because you're afraid of uh, giving up or, or you're afraid that you're, you're wasting time and, and money. I think that if I were to switch into something else that I like doing instead, um, then that would pay back in dividends later on in my life. It might seem expensive now because you're a college student, you're not making any money, you're really just spending money, and a lot of times you're in debt. But in the future, like in the long term, I think it'll pay off. I'm going to be happier. Um, and I think it's just going to pay off in the end. Yeah, most definitely. Um and you were speaking about hard science, which is actually really interesting because I believe, um, I could be wrong on this, but I believe that a lot of the people who actually do change their major change because they're in a very hard uh, math, science, or engineering major, and they find it much too difficult, so they switch to something that they find um, is much more doable for them. See, difficulty is, is sort of a gray area because there's... there's um, there's a point at which something is perhaps too difficult for a student, right? Like sometimes things are too hard and, and you feel as though um, right now it's just not the time for you to be learning that stuff. And at that point, like, okay, you need more time, right? So either you switch out of the major or you repeat the class or whatever you need to do to get through it. But I think it's valuable to, um, at least for, I know for a fact, engineering, but I think for everything in your life, that difficulty is just going to be a fact of life. And college, or even earlier than that, is probably the best time for you to learn that life is not going to be easy. Life is going to be a series of problems that you solve one after the next. And you have to learn how to get through difficulty. Um, I know in computer science in particular, there were many students who... in the very beginning, the introductory computer science courses, the moment they experienced an obstacle or a bug that they couldn't fix or a problem that they didn't understand, they stopped immediately without trying or giving it a go, and they asked for help immediately. And while that might get you through, um, that might get you through everything in the moment, right? It's going to be really tough for you to learn that in the future um sorry i was just interrupted by a phone call um so if you decide that you're going to ask for help 
right? If you're going to get stuck, you need to at least put in, say, 15 minutes of your own effort first before going up and asking for help because you need to learn how to work through a problem by yourself. And that just sort of uh, builds your problem solving muscle in your head, I'd say. All right, definitely. Um, so obviously you majored in computer science, like you said. Um, so how has your choice of major actually impacted your career? Well, obviously, I didn't change my major, so I decided to stick with it. I graduated with a computer science degree, and right now, I'm currently using that degree as part of my engineering career. So I'm a cloud solution engineer at Oracle at the Santa Monica Hub, and that's where my degree is being used. I'm actually taking the time now. Um, I think I announced in the previous episode that I gained admissions to Georgia Tech's online master's in computer science. So I am getting a second computer science degree. So that's where I'm going with that. Um, the degree is something that I knew I was going to go for for a very long time. I learned very early in my life, and I'm really lucky for this, that computers were going to be my thing. Software was going to be my thing for a long time. Um, and so the degree really is not something that I expect an impact to come out of. Um, it's more of a result of um, planning that I've done in my personal life. But yeah, if I didn't have this computer science degree, it would be much more difficult for me to do my job today. So that's in a nutshell, how it's impacted my life. But again, the degree is something that I've planned on getting. It's not something that just happened. And now my job is the result of this degree. Right, definitely. Um, but something I've heard that's pretty interesting is that a lot of people actually don't major in computer science, but they do something relatively similar. So say mathematics or even electrical engineering, um, and they still work with computers. They still do programming and coding. Um, and have you actually run into any of those people um, in your career? So let's say a coworker who was doing programming, even though he didn't actually major in computer science? Yeah. So so I know, I know a lot of people who actually don't have computer science degrees, but they're either software engineers or they work with code um, almost on a daily basis, a regular basis, I would say. Um, so example one is a classmate of mine in my last year of university. We took a class in artificial intelligence together, but he was a, um, let me try to recall the major here. I think it was computational mathematics or, right. um, yeah, I've heard of I think that it was, major. Yeah. Right. I think it was computational math. Um, that was his degree and it has computational in the degree. So maybe that had something to do with his coding. Um, but I, I think maybe a more notable example that's completely out of the ballpark is my NASA mentor. Uh, my NASA mentor during my software development internship at NASA Ames Research Center, uh, he actually, his bachelor's degree is in aerospace engineering, which is not computer science, nor software engineering, but he ended up being the lead software engineer. He was the lead software architect. He mentored me and he was the person who taught me a lot of the software engineering principles before I got a chance to even take the software engineering course at my university. And he didn't even have a computer science degree. Um, I know uh, other researchers in our research group are most of them are mechanical engineers and they work with Python scripts and R and MATLAB to run their simulations and do their computations and they work with code on a regular basis. They don't have computer science degrees. 
a lot of my coworkers at Oracle also don't have computer science degrees. A lot of them either minored in computer science or they were uh, electrical engineers or computer engineers. Um, they don't have computer science degree, but they work with code and software a lot. Yeah, so obviously those are a lot of examples of people who you know came from different backgrounds, um, still STEM backgrounds, but um, different backgrounds and ended up working in kind of computer science and software engineering. So that really raises the question then, uh, is it even necessary to get a computer science degree to get a programming job? So, so yes and no. Um, that's the question that a lot of people in my industry, or at least in my line of work, a lot of people like to argue about this because there is there is very obviously an argument to be made that you can learn all the stuff that I learned by yourself. And this is true. Um, but, but I think I would argue to say that you were able to learn a lot of hard sciences by yourself, but many people choose not to. I can go to any public library and pick up uh, a physics book and learn physics by myself. I can learn advanced math by myself, and I can learn computer science and algorithms and data structures and everything theoretical about computer science by myself. Um, the issue is whether or not you're able or, or capable of your own self-teaching, right? The value of a computer science degree is that you are mentored day after day by people with advanced PhD, at, at minimum, I guess, master's degrees in computer science. So they've gone through a lot more coursework, formal coursework than you have and are fully qualified to teach you what they know. And I think that's valuable. Uh, when you're learning by yourself, there's a great deal of risk of um, not understanding something and you don't have the resources to ask a question or verify your understanding, right? I could totally go on Reddit or any sort of forum-based website and ask a computer science question like Stack Overflow and such in the dev community. And I'm probably gonna get the correct answer back at me, but a lot of people don't know the context in which I'm asking the question. Like if I'm asking a very basic question about programming syntax, like say I don't know uh, what this line of code means in Java, and I asked that on Stack Overflow, it's gonna be pretty simple and fast for me to get an answer, but um, some people are gonna give more details than I need, and I'm gonna read into that, and I'm gonna be mega confused. Or, or maybe I ask a very theoretical question and it's a very hard theoretical question that demands sort of more uh, research and theoretical knowledge that somebody on Stack Overflow might feel like they know and they're gonna give me the wrong answer. That's a risk. Maybe especially more on Reddit when you know your, your, uh, your credentials are less important to your answer, right? So somebody, anybody really could answer my question that I post online and I could believe what I read on the internet and it could be entirely wrong. And so my understanding therefore would be wrong. But the, I think the value of going to a formal, um, through a formal education for my computer science degree has allowed me to gain an education from people I know are fully qualified to teach me that material. So I'm pretty confident that what they're teaching me is correct. Not to say that my professors were infallible. Um, a lot of them were wrong at times, but I just trust the knowledge that they're giving me, right? Another thing is that um, anybody can be a code monkey. 
anybody can learn how to code. It's the theory behind computer science, the algorithms, the history, the data structures. That foundational knowledge is important in making sure that the code that I write is efficient, it performs well, and it is the best practice in the industry. And anybody who just goes on YouTube or reads a programming book might not be able to learn those things um, as well. You know, they aren't as emphasized in those kind of material. So that's my opinion. All right, definitely. I mean, I've seen a lot of, you know, online courses saying, oh, you don't need a college degree. You know, you can take this, you know, coding boot camp, finish it in like three weeks. Maybe, you know, some of the more detailed ones would be three months. But the point is they're trying to reduce you know, the computer science education into this really short course. And I think that that kind of um, that misleads people because they believe they're getting four years of knowledge in three months, when in reality, they're getting three months worth of education in three months because they're cutting out a lot of the um, theoretical, a lot of really important stuff that you need as a computer scientist, as a software engineer. And I think people are really, you know, like that kind of information is left out and it's it's really not. Um, how shall I say, it's really not beneficial for the person taking the course, even though it might be faster. There's just so much valuable information there. Right. And I think, um, and, and I'm not sure about this because I've never actually gone through a boot camp, but by myself, but my understanding of what boot camps are, um, and from the documentation that I've seen online with their advertisements and such, um, as a developer, you sort of see these ads, like these ads are sort of thrown at you if you're, you know, if you if you uh, sort of leave the the browser tracking on, you sort of get these these ads thrown at you. So I, I see them from time to time, and I read them. Um, and my understanding is that they teach you uh, at least what in the dev community calls a particular tech stack. Um, what I mean by that is there's usually a stack or a group of technologies that are frequently used together to build a certain kind of application. Um, and different stacks will accomplish different things. They have different advantages and disadvantages and so on and so forth. I'm not going to go into the details. Um, but my understanding is that since they advertise that we teach XYZ stack and, you know, ABC stack, um, that that these coding boot camps will really only teach you how to code in these stacks or in these different technologies. And they don't really take the the time to teach you the necessary computer science foundations, right? The data structures and the algorithms. I think um, at most there are boot camps. Uh, I, I, the most helpful boot camps, I would say, are the ones that teach you how to go through the technical interviews, the interviews that start the the top uh, technology companies use to hire software engineers, right? It's the the stereotypical sort of like uh, you know. How do you rebalance a, a binary search tree? Um, these are terms that I'm throwing out that most of you that are not computer science based uh, won't understand. But these are the kind of questions that they sort of ask, right? Like sort uh, this list or, or, or um, uh, balance this binary search tree or uh, verify that this tree I'm giving you is actually a BST, right? Things like that. Um, and, and those kind of boot camps are, I guess, more helpful because they actually at least teach you some data structures and algorithms because you need to have that knowledge in order to properly solve those problems. But even then, 
solving those kinds of problems day after day is sort of like solving a math problem or doing the same sort of crossword puzzle over and over again. You get good at it, but at some point you don't learn the material anymore. You just sort of go through the motions of doing it. And so even after that, you don't really get all of the computer science foundations. And I think that's what's most valuable. All right, definitely. And I think even to add on to that, aside from, you know, um, being able to learn these concepts much more in depth, I think uh, when you go to university, I think the professors actually offer you a lot of opportunities to do things. I've been getting constant emails um, from the electrical and computer engineering department of my school, just like, oh, this here's like an internship or here's an opportunity uh, for those who are interested from this department because um, these local employers or these technology companies need someone who's experienced with this. And we know we know that we teach this at the university. So for anybody who's you know qualified, um, we'll offer it to you and you can take the job. You can get that sort of experience that wouldn't be really offered to anybody else. Because I think these companies um, really trust the university to offer uh, their students. Right. And and I just want to make this clear. I'm not trying to say that, like, if you consider yourself a software engineer or if you are a software engineer who never went through a formal computer science or software engineering education and instead took the route of going to a coding boot camp to get your career, that is perfectly fine. You are a software engineer. Do not feel as though you are any less of a software engineer if you went that route. I'm just saying that um, for a lot of people who are attracted to those programs, who think a three-month program is going to jumpstart me into a uh, get-rich-quick career is in for a rude awakening because you're going to find it hard. You're going to find it among a, a really confusing topic, to be entirely honest. And if you're not really in it because you like it, it's going to be a really tough career. And the course is going to be really dry. And you're, you're, end up, you're going to end up not liking what you're going to do at the end of the day. It might seem like a get rich quick sort of career. Like, oh, all these tech companies are growing and, and they're hiring all these engineers. And a three-month program is going to throw me into a six-figure salary right out of the bat. That's really not the best reason to be joining this kind of line of work. That's my opinion. Yeah. So something I've noticed with a lot of people is um, they have many interests. So they don't just have like one passion like you do with computer science. And I'm sure you have other interests too. But they don't really have that one point of focus. And maybe they have two, maybe three things that they're interested in. Um, So would it actually be beneficial for them to, let's say, take a minor in something that they're interested in or maybe even double major? Oh, yeah. Why not? I don't see anything wrong with taking more than one interest, right? In college and university, that's that's probably the best time for you to experiment what with what you think you like and what you think you might not like or experiment in things that you have no idea about, right? Um, there are a lot of programs out there, especially I think in the, the public universities, but private universities will do this too. Uh, they try to get you to broaden your horizons, take more GEs, you know, explore this course, explore that course that perhaps are completely unrelated to what you're studying right now. And I can see the value behind that. You get a well-rounded education, you get multiple sort of perspectives, and that's all well and good. 
Um, and then, you know, like I was the kind of student, I'll admit this, I was the kind of student that was like, just get me out of here, right? Like just teach me the computer science, teach me the foundational knowledge, just get me out of there. Why am I taking these GE courses, right? And I, I still have that opinion to this day, so I'll, I'll say that. But I think I do agree with the, the idea that you should explore different things. Um, and, um, there was one GE course that I took during uh, my time at SJSU. It was uh, Music Appreciation, Music 10A. That was the course number uh, at my university. Music Appreciation, right? Who the hell takes a course to appreciate music, right? Like, that just doesn't make any sense. So Music Appreciation, it turns out, and I didn't know this going into the course, it turns out that it teaches you the history of music, how modern day music is in fact a result of long standing traditions in music and musical theory from a long time ago, like before you and I were even alive and before a lot of people arrived, quite frankly, hundreds of years ago, how modern music today is actually still influenced by things that people did hundreds of years ago. And learning that history, learning that theory from a long time ago does give me an elevated appreciation of music that I hear today. And, and today, actually, I listen to a lot of classical music and I pick out things that I learned from that course. And it's not my passion in life, but it's become a greater interest in my life. And I do listen to classical music nowadays and, and I sort of pick out those things or I notice these things that I learned and it's just it just makes listening to music a lot more enjoyable that's just me right definitely I mean I think um yeah like you were saying a lot of public universities um require students to take a lot of GE courses and I noticed that a lot of my friends are really against that idea because they just want to get college done with and they could probably get it done in say two to three years I think um if they were not required to take those courses. And I know you finished in three years, correct? Yep. Yeah, because you were able to skip a lot of those GEs by using your AP credits. Yep. Yeah, so I mean, I think um, for a lot of people, um, they don't really like going into GEs, but I think there are some courses that can definitely be useful. And um, I know a lot of people who are doing minors in college for stuff that they're you know, pretty interested in, but they don't want to make their career. So I know a Spanish major, a minor... Um, who's actually a biology major. And so even though he wants to you know, become a doctor, ultimately, he's pretty interested in learning the Spanish language and interacting with people. Um, and it's just a really good skill to have knowing like a second language, for instance. Yeah, and, and you don't even have to go to the extreme of like taking a minor. If that's not something that you're comfortable with, or like if you're the kind right. of person that's like, like, oh, should I do a double major because I'm kind of interested in this? Like you don't have to take the full leap of like a double major or taking a minor in that area, right. um, you can even explore within your major, right? Mm -hmm. Like computer science is a very broad major, to be frank. It's not just computer science. It's not just coding and data structures and algorithms, which is a word that I throw around a lot now, right? It's not just that. There's a lot to computer science, a lot, a whole lot, a whole nother world that I had no idea about going into my university. Um, a, a, a great example of this is, and you can do this in your bachelor's program too, but I think it's very clear 
in the Georgia Tech's online master's in computer science program. They have specializations. They do. They have a computing system specialization. They have a machine learning specialization. They have a robotics and computer vision specialization. Those are the online options. And they have several others for people that are going on campus. So those are just the online options. And there are more. But the specializations don't make up like a majority of the credits that you make or uh, the credits that you take, rather. There are, I think, half of the units are actually electives that are freely up to you as long as they're computer science courses listed under the, uh, the university. You can take those courses that are just completely outside of your specialization. So I could be like a, a computing systems specialist. So that's software engineering. I don't know why they call it computing systems. Um, somebody from Georgia Tech, tell me. But... I don't, but it's the computing systems, so it's software engineering. I can be in the software engineering specialization and take something like educational technology or machine learning, which is not software engineering, right? So you can explore even within your major. So in my bachelor's degree, I guess to give another example is that I just wanted to be a plain old software engineer. Um, maybe I wanted to specialize in mobile development but I actually didn't take a mobile development course. I sort of learned that on my own. But I took another elective that was just completely outside of something that I was com- that was interested in. I took information security, which was perhaps one of the most interesting and valuable courses that I ever took in my computer science education. But I never, ever, ever in my entire life intended to take that course, nor did I ever intend to explore information security in the first place. I just took it to complete an elective requirement. And yet, I find it to be one of the most like interesting courses I ever took in my university career. It was really eye-opening. Right, definitely. Um, but you know, considering the courses that you took, um, you know, the electives that you took, um, exploring other specializations, did you actually um, have a chance to, you know, present that to any employers, or has it impacted your career in any way? You know what? I think it will. I haven't really had the chance to sort of apply it in my career um, in a in a very very tangible way. But let's take the information security course as an example, okay? The information security course. And for better or for worse, it made me a little more paranoid (laughs) about my habits with using my computer, right? My passwords now are more secure. So already there, it's affected my life. My, My passwords are way longer and way more complicated. And I use techniques that I know keep me secure and keep my password safe, but also easy to remember, right? I think... The hardest thing and the reason why people do this is it's hard to remember complicated passwords, like random strings of passwords. Like if you can imagine you took a cat and a cat walked over your keyboard and that was your password, that's a secure password. It might be a secure password, but it's, it's really, really hard to remember that kind of password, right? There are strategies that you can take to make a really complicated password, but also make it really easy for you to remember, which is a good thing, right? So I use those techniques. Um, Another thing is that there are uh, engineering principles, like actual coding principles that make applications that I develop more secure, 
right? So that's sanitizing database uh, queries, or sorry, that's sanitizing uh, inputs, right? So on a web application, for example, in HTML, there are web forms. And sometimes on a website, you want the user to enter in information like their name and their email, their password, and so on and so forth. There are techniques uh, for attackers, for hackers, to actually type in certain kinds of computer instructions, some commands that will actually manipulate the database. And if I were a 15-year-old code monkey who didn't take information security and I just built a web application and let's say as a 15-year-old, unlikely, it my application just takes off, like it becomes mega famous in a single day, for example. A hacker might know that I'm a 15-year-old, probably didn't take information security, probably have no idea how to build a secure application, right? So they're going to type in a sort of database command or database query in my web application, and it's going to run. It's going to actually, it's going to actually run, and it's going to ruin my web application because I had no idea how to program defensively, how to program securely. Right. So taking that course now today, everything that I program, I sort of in the back of my head, always think about security now. And a lot of engineers out there, I, I would gather to say most of the students, maybe even all of the students who never take information security as a course in their university, don't even think about security as an actual problem when they're coding. Well, I, de I definitely find it really interesting um, that you were able to take that course and for it to have so much impact on your life, even though it's not really um, related to your major. And I actually kind of want to veer off to the side and talk about my own major for a little bit. Sure. Um, so when I first started going, you know, started doing research into college majors that I wanted to do, I was looking at uh, mostly engineering majors because I've always found it, you know, um, internally um, driving to me to create things, create new technologies that can really benefit people. And so I was really looking into the fields of engineering. Um, and when I first started applying to college, I thought, you know, this is it. You know, when I major in electrical engineering, I'm going to have to do electrical engineering. But the more I started doing research, the more I found out that there's actually a lot more you can do with an electrical engineering degree than just electrical engineering. Um, I know a lot of electrical engineers, uh, electrical engineering majors who go into um, other fields. So they go into computer science. A lot of them actually go into business. You know, um, if you actually ever looked at Michael Bloomberg's um, biography, he majored in electrical engineering at Johns Hopkins, which is kind of funny. But he ended up getting an MBA from Harvard. And then he used that to kind of um, boost his uh, business you know, business ventures, but he still ended up using his undergraduate degree because when he was building um, these manual terminals that you would use to check stocks, um, he had to use electrical engineering for that because at the time, computers were um, not advanced enough necessarily to run these really intensive stock programs that are trying to monitor at every second um, where stocks actually are, which I find pretty interesting. And I definitely know a lot of people who are going into even data science, computer science, who are majoring in electrical engineering. Yeah, I think it's I think it's important to note that um, really at the end of the day, 
right? A bachelor's degree, while it might seem to a high school student or a, a you know a new freshman university student, it might seem like a bachelor's degree is your gateway to a specialization, and that's partly true. But there's just so much knowledge and so many places that you can take your degree that realistically, that bachelor's degree is a very broad. Education, a very broad look at your own field. There's so much more that you can learn in many, many, many fields, right?、Um, so I think what's important is that you graduate with a degree.、Um, if you want to do engineering, then maybe it's good to graduate in an engineering degree. If you want to do like some humanities, then it might be good to graduate in some humanities or social studies degree.、Uh, it doesn't have to be spot on, perfect, right on the dot. That major, right? Like I want to be a software engineer. I must graduate with a computer science degree, right? No, that's that's not true. There are computer engineering. Graduates that I work alongside with, and they would make very talented software engineers. For those of you who don't know, computer engineering and software engineering and computer science—they're different things. Okay, computer engineering has very little to do with software. It has a lot to do with actual hardware. Electrical engineering is kind of similar, right? So、yeah. I—I'd I, like to.、Um, My favorite、uh, way to think about the differences between mechanical and electrical engineering, for those of you who are a little confused, is、um, so I'm a computer person, right? So I like to think in computer analogies. So mechanical engineering is the traditional spinning hard drive. Okay, there are mechanical parts; they move. There are things moving. Things spin, right? And then electrical engineering is your、uh, SSDs, your flash storage, your M.2 NVMe SSDs. Okay, and these may be terms that I'm throwing out there that nobody will understand, but that's okay.、Um, everybody knows what a spinning hard drive is. I hope mechanical engineering is much like the spinning hard drive, right? It's the engineering of putting together moving parts, things that come together to form a working system. Whereas electrical engineering sort of depends on electrical signals and How to design circuits and such. And now, granted, I don't have an electrical engineering, nor do I have a mechanical engineering degree. So everything I'm saying might be completely, utterly false. But largely, when I talk to people from mechanical and electrical engineering, they sort of agree. Mechanical engineering, the spinning hard drive. Electrical engineering, the SSD. That's just how I like to think about it. So you don't have to have. My point is, you don't have to have a spot on. This degree is going to get me this job. You can always get an engineering degree and then pivot to some other engineering field, right? You can right, get a、definitely. social studies degree and pivot to some other social studies career. You know, you don't have to always have the spot on degree because not everybody has that spot on degree. People pivot to weird, strange careers all the time, and they have unrelated undergraduate educations. Right? Think about yourself, say twenty, thirty years in the future after you get your undergraduate degree. Does your undergraduate degree matter that much anymore when compared to the experiences you've gained from the jobs that you've had? I seriously doubt it.
I seriously, seriously doubt it. So I think the most important thing is just get a degree. You know, perhaps the best thing is 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 uh, the the spot on degree because that'll get you you know where you want to be. But if that's not an option, then get something sort of related to it, and then pivot to that career later on because that's what you want, right? If you right, know most, what you want, if you know yeah. what you want, then pivot to it. If you don't land on the degree that you want. Yeah, and something that people don't really account for is the fact that you can always go back to school, you can always get a master's, because a lot of people get these degrees that aren't even really related to their major, um, but they do some, you know, some work related to um, what they they think they want to do, and then they're like, oh, I don't, I don't really like this, so they start venturing into um, these kind of new avenues. So you could get a degree in math, for example, and then you could easily transition to perhaps physics or engineering. Um, in your graduate education, because now you kind of have this background of, oh, I know, I know how math works, and now I'm going to learn how to apply it to physics or engineering. So graduate school is definitely always an option, and I think um, even switching from you know career to career is kind of an option too. I don't know if any of your friends have ever done that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so I before I say something about that, I'd also like to mention that um, if you uh, back to the previous point that I made before to just, you know, get a degree and then pivot over. If you can switch your major, like change your major, going back to the original thing that we were talking about, if you can change your major to the spot on major that you want, then go for it, right? So so changing major isn't always changing out of major, right? right. So a lot of times changing a major is changing into the major that you originally wanted to get into, right? A lot of students will apply to universities and they are afraid that they're going to get rejected, right? I think the popular thing is like UC Berkeley, right? Everybody wants to get into computer science there or EECS, I think, right? Yes. But they get into computer science or they do math instead and then they pivot to computer science later on after the degree, right? Or like they attempt to switch into EECS or switch into computer science, whatever it is. I never went to UC Berkeley, so I wouldn't know. But I know that what people want is EECS, right? What people want is computer science. That's you know, not everybody gets into UC Berkeley. Well, not everybody gets into UC Berkeley, period. But not everybody gets into UC Berkeley in EECS. So, but not every student that doesn't get into EECS all of a sudden just decides to throw computer science and software engineering out the window, right? It's just nonsensical. Right. So mm-hmm. you just get a degree and then pivot over or change into the degree afterwards. So to go back to your original topic about talking about going to graduate school to sort of pivot into your career, that's a good way to go. But I think um, I would I would beware or, or be weary of that approach because um, I know that a lot of students are sort of afraid to transition from school to the you know the working professional life, and since they are afraid of transitioning from being a student to a working professional, they will proceed to go to an advanced degree in order to stall the future. That is something that you should not do, okay? You should not go into a master's program because you are afraid of going to work. That's, a, that's, that's not a sustainable plan. You, you must know that, right? You cannot go to school for your entire life. I think the only surefire way for you to go to school your entire life is to go all the way to a PhD. And then at that point, you can work at a university. You can work at school, right? If that's what you really want. But, you know, not everybody wants a PhD to work at a university, right? They just are scared of going to work. So um, go to master's 
if that will help you in your career or that will help you transition to the career that you want. But do not go into a master's program in fear of going to work and you just want to stay as a student. You know, you want to maintain your student status. That's really not the best reason to go for your master's program. That's what I wanted to say. Right, definitely. I mean, I wouldn't advocate for anybody to get a master's degree if they're just, you know, scared of the workforce or um, they're just, you know, this they're scared to live, let's say, um, outside of the whole college bubble because we all know that when you're in college, even though you're more independent than you were in high school, you're still not really into the real world yet and yeah. you're still protected by this kind of um, safe community with that still has a lot of your friends in it. Correct. And yeah, even though you have a chance of failing and everything, it won't necessarily be as bad as it is if you do that in real life. Correct. Um, but I, I definitely 100% advocate for for anybody who does want a career change, um, anybody who, or maybe if you just want to get a little more experience, a little more speciali- specialization in what you're already doing. So I know people who have doubled down in electrical engineering. Um, they majored in electrical engineering in college and they really liked it. They went to work perhaps for a bit and then they realized, oh, I need some more experience, um, let's say in optoelectronics because I didn't really specialize in that in college. So you can go back um, to school, go get your master's degree in that, do a little more research, you know, take more coursework, and then you can go back into your career and you'll have kind of a fresh mindset. You'll be up to date on a lot of these, you know, evolving technologies, should I say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Take it from me, who is, has actually graduated from university and has entered the workforce. Life is a life is a little different as a working professional. Um, you, you start experiencing what it's like to be taxed, and you don't really get that as a student. Not as much. Maybe if you work, if you work during university, and you might experience some taxes. But you you really get into the thick of things when you're a salaried professional. The 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 tax the taxes kind of hit you a. Uh, they hit you a little differently when you're a salaried professional. Yeah, definitely. And I think, uh, I mean, your parents pretty much in college are still paying for, you know, even the dorm that you're living in. Oh, any yeah. Tuition that you have, they're still paying for it. But when when you um, go outside of college and go get a job, you're in charge of all the bills now. So mm-hmm. that's, I, that's I, something pretty important. Yeah, I, I want to say I was very fortunate. Um, and I'm speaking from a position of privilege. I did have the benefit of having the bank of mom and dad to help me with some of my college expenses. Um, you know, I, I took loans. So I tried to front that a lot on myself. And by the way, just to clarify, those student loans were not the parent plus loans. They were my student loans that I took out in my name uh, from the government, not private loans. So they were government loans, um, but they were mine and mine alone. So they weren't. So my parents are not going to pay for that. I am fully responsible for those loans. But my parents or my mom really is the is the main person here. She did help me pay for some groceries or my gas you know, bills sometimes. So she did help in that way. And, and that was that was really helpful. And I, I really appreciate her for that. All right, yeah, definitely. Um, so now, the basically, like the kind of big question, um, when should you change your college major? What is the point where you say, okay, that's it, I'm, I really need to do something about this, because I'm not enjoying, you know, my, my college, I'm not enjoying studying at all. Um, when should you really change your college major? So, so this sort of goes back to the gray area of difficulty that I was talking about a little earlier, right? When, when something is 
tough. When something is difficult and you feel stuck, you feel like you can't get over this wall. Like either you're failing a course, or this course just seems too much for you. Um, it's hard to tell whether or not um, you can get through it in the moment, right? Like in the moment, in the moment of a hard course that you may be failing or that maybe is is very very hard, legitimately difficult. Like it is a difficult field, whatever you're studying, right? At what point do you say, I'm just gonna soldier on whatever grade I get is the grade that I get, and I'm gonna be a better student for it, and I'm just gonna move on? Or do you decide that this is actually not for me? Like I don't like this, um, and then switch to a different major. It's kind of gray. You, I can't really say definitively. Like you should change your major at this threshold, or you should stay in the major under this threshold. It's hard to say, right? Um, I I have a friend who took the data structures and algorithms course at my university. And for those of you who don't know, I think at many universities, DS and A is probably the biggest weeder class in the computer science program. It's the course where you learn um, the the old algorithms that still work very well today. They are fast algorithms, but most importantly, you learn how to think about. Um, the algorithms that you write yourself, and how fast are they? How performant are they? Can you make it faster? Um, if I were to give you this very abstract problem, like you know, uh, design an algorithm that, that gives me the the shortest path from point A to point B, given multiple paths that I can pick from, right? Like, how do you design an algorithm that is fast, efficient, and can make that calculation? Almost immediately, right? That's something that's hard to do, and a lot of students end up failing this course. Unfortunately, it's a weeder course. It's a very hard course. My friend failed this course, unfortunately, and um, I had no idea that he changed out of computer science and went into um, to become an art major. Um, I had no idea because he was ashamed that he sort of felt like he quit, but. I commended him for it because many students I know would get out of computer science and they would pivot to another hard science, and then they would find that they didn't like that either, and they would pivot to another hard science, and then it's just an endless you know chain of pivoting, right? Right. He instead decided to pivot something completely on the other side of you know the wall, and Art. did yeah, something complete, complete opposite of engineering. Yeah. <laughs> And, and, and he did that instead, and he found that his life was so much more enjoyable. But he never told me because he was ashamed, and I felt you shouldn't feel ashamed because you're doing something that you like now, right? Right. That's the important thing, um, is, is that you should never do anything that makes you unhappy. Um, right. That's different from doing something that makes you feel uncomfortable. Discomfort in something that you're doing is actually a very good thing. You should be putting yourself in uncomfortable. You should be putting yourself into uncomfortable situations, okay? Because that makes you more uh, adaptable. That makes you. Um, that makes you encourage change, which is something that is a constant in the world, right? Change is the only constant, right? Right. It makes you better so, at solving problems. Exactly. You know? Exactly. You should be 
better at solving problems by allowing yourself to change, by allowing yourself to adapt. Okay, but you should never stick to something、um, that you don't like. But you should always、uh, put yourself into uncomfortable situations so that you can grow. You give yourself the opportunity to grow.、Um, my my philosophy in life is I never like to plateau. Right? You know this about me, David. Yeah. I never、mm-hmm. like to feel like I'm stuck. Like I'm 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 stuck in one place. I always need to feel like I'm going somewhere. I'm growing or I'm making progress on something. On one of my goals, right? And for some people, their goal is to not have goals, and that's a valid goal. It turns out, but for me personally, I feel like I always need something、um, to strive for, and that might seem selfish. That might seem materialistic, like oh, I always want more. That might seem so, but that's the philosophy that I live behind because I feel like if I'm Stuck. If I'm plateaued and I'm not moving forward in life, then then that's my prime, right? Like I've I've reached the point in my life where I can no longer improve. Now I am on a trend down. I am on a downward、mm-hmm. trend, and I don't ever want to feel that way. Thinking of being in that kind of you know hard class,、um, I know. You know, you know who I'm talking about here.、Um, but I had a very difficult algebra two trig teacher、um, when I was in high school, and even、mm-hmm. though I've always, you know, really math has always been my one subject that I'm really, really strong at. Science, even sometimes I can, I can sometimes falter, but math has always been my strongest subject. And when I went to that class, I actually started hating math.、Um, but I think there's an important.、Um, There's an important point to distinguish there. It's I never I never stopped enjoying math. It's that it's just that that class was extremely difficult, and I know that the point of the class was to kind of weed out the students who weren't made、um, for calculus or higher levels of math. But even then, it was it was still really difficult.、Um, but I managed to get through it. And I just want to ask, like, how do you know、um, when you're the difference between that situation, you know, where a class is just really hard, but you still Kind of enjoy doing that、um, versus something that is not even worth going for. Like, yeah, the class is hard, but it's not even worth going for, even if you do pass that class. Yeah, that's that's the、um, that's the age old question, isn't it? Right? right. Everybody wants to know what's the right thing to do. What's、right. what's the right thing to do in this moment? What should I do to gain or live the best life for myself? Right. right. Yeah. I mean, because I've heard a lot of people just say, "Oh, my、uh, under like when I was in my undergraduate engineering,、um, like the first one or two years was extremely difficult. You know, it was all these weed out like math and science courses. But then when I got to the upper levels, I really enjoyed it. You know, I loved engineering. So, you know, I I, I don't want to you know discourage people who are in engineering majors and they will eventually enjoy their courses, but they're just having a really hard time right now. Yeah. That I think. How I think in my head when I'm trying to make these decisions for myself, take this in no way, by the way, as advice for what you should do in like an emergency. Like, I don't know whether I should drop out or not. Like, don't don't take this advice if if you know you're in that sort of situation, like life or death situation, or like you know that kind of thing. Don't take this as as you know advice for that. But. How I personally try to get myself through those kinds of situations is, I think about how 
things that are worth doing, things that people are known for, that people become great for, or people become happy after doing, a lot of those things are uncomfortable. They are riddled with obstacles. And while in the moment it might seem uncomfortable, after overcoming the obstacle, your life is better than it, it was before. Um, right. I, think, I think when I look back on my life, even in the previous like four years, if I look four years back, where I am right now, as a current working professional, I have a two-bedroom apartment in Santa Monica, California, which is really expensive, by the way. For those of you who don't live in California, everywhere along the coast is basically expensive. Yeah, especially Santa Monica. I mean, right, please. and Santa Monica is like, whoa. You know, so like I live in Los Angeles, and I live in a really nice apartment in Los Angeles. Like, I'm not bragging, but I'm, I'm saying this to show you that four years ago, I was living in... Uh, I was living with my with my parents in uh, my my bedroom, and and I I, I didn't have much. I was a high school student, um, and and I was a senior, and and I was trying to get into university. That was where I was at. I didn't have many possessions of my own, right? I didn't have a career lined up. I didn't have jobs. I didn't really have much. And then even a year after that, I lived in a very 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 small one bedroom apartment. Right, that 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 wasn't as nice as the one that I have now. So even very recently, in the last three to four years, my life has changed for the better very dramatically. And between that and now, it's a lot of struggle. Was was a lot of struggle. Were a yeah. lot of obstacles that I had to get through. I had to overcome a lot of obstacles to get here, and my life is so much better for it. That's what I think about when I'm trying to think, like, what should I do in this situation? Or, like, should I continue doing this? I think in my head, very simple, anything worth doing is going to be hard. Because if it were easy, everybody would do it, and then nobody would be successful. Right? Right. And that's why there aren't more, that's why there aren't more computer scientists. That's why there aren't more software engineers in this world. Because even though, you know, we all know it's a really high-paying career, um, the only reason why it's still high paying is because it's very difficult and people find that out the hard way when mm -hmm. they go into college and struggle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but definitely like I'd, I'd say um, I'd say that when you're trying to determine um, whether or not something is too hard, think about don't think about right now um, how hard it is right now, but think about the future, because I think if you are like legitimately struggling in a class, um, but you're you're struggling because you want something in the future that you think is really worth having i definitely say go for it but if you're you know in computer science and you're struggling in a class and your only reason for being in computer science is to make a lot of money there are a lot there are a lot better ways to do that than a computer science degree and i'd say just it. do something that you enjoy yep you nailed it yeah. you nailed the point you nailed the point home completely you should switch out if you are struggling and you have no idea where you're going. Yeah. That's I think I think that's like perhaps the most surefire thing that you can think about when you're trying mm -hmm. to like, well, should I change my major or not? If you're in the major and you have no idea what you're gonna do with the degree with the degree, you have no idea where you're going, you're you're yeah. you're flying blind and you're mm -hmm. struggling, I think that would make me quit. I would yeah. change to something else. But if I'm struggling for a reason, 
then I'm, I would stick to with it. Yeah, I mean, it's either like, I mean, if you're really, really enjoying it and you just happen to run into this really difficult course and you know that you you want to become a computer scientist, like you have this passion for computer science and you just need to get past this one little obstacle, I think that's a case where you shouldn't drop out at all. But I mean, like, like you said, um, if you're not even enjoying it, if you don't have any passion for it, if you're only doing it because you're kind of lost and you have nothing better to do and you're just kind of being pressured into it, uh, as many people are, I'd say that's a that's about time to quit. Yeah. And it's not I wouldn't even consider it quitting. I consider it just a change, you know? Yep. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, change is constant. Yep. Nailed it. Okay, roll, so that roll credits. <laughs> So that'll be it for this episode of the Study Space podcast. Um, make sure to download the UniPlan app that will be released on the App Store soon. Yep, on on uh, on Google Play and on the um, the Apple App Store, where it's a cross-platform app. So I'm trying not to discriminate between the uh, two platforms. I'm actually trying to not discriminate on any platform. So hopefully, if we get the web application working, that you could realistically, hopefully theoretically, use it on any device, right? On a phone, on a laptop, regardless of platform. So hopefully we'll get there at some point. But right now, the main development is on the uh, the the mobile application for both uh, iOS and Android. So right. make sure you um, download that app. Mm-hmm. It'll only cost you a dollar, and it's really useful for any college students. Um, it'll help you organize your schedule. It'll help you even plan out your day by using artificial intelligence and making sure that you are, you know, living your day more productively, um, doing your work more efficiently. And it, it obviously it helps us um, create this free content for you guys. Yep. Um, um, I think the best way for you to help right now, since the app isn't officially out yet as of um, the date of the release of this episode, um, the best way that you can help is actually sign up on our website to become a beta tester. So if you want to take a look and play around with the app that we're building, you can sign up at uniplanteam.com. That's U-N-I-P-L-A-N-T-E-A-M.com. That's uniplanteam.com. You can sign up there to become a beta tester and start working with the app at some point. Right, and you can also read our blogs. Um, you can share our blogs and any other web content that we have. It would be much appreciated for you to spread the word. And while you're at it, uh, make sure you subscribe and uh, leave a review for wherever you get your podcasts if you like the content that you heard today and in the previous episode so we can continue to make more. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in, everybody. And we will see you in the next episode of the Study Space Podcast. <laughs>